Geek Top 5 Quarantine Edition. Yay! It was time now. There was was all the time I needed. Geek Top 5. I'm Jesse. I'm Graham. And we've got a fantastic episode for you today. Ooh. Which I'm all for. Oh, no. <laughs> we've got an old friend on the show uh, to, uh, well, I think, frankly, to challenge Graham's supremacy a little bit in the realm of superheroes. Uh, Graham, why don't you, I mean, let's stop beating around the bush. Why don't you let us know what's going on here? Well, we've got our, our old friend and colleague and, and the guest on one of our more popular episodes, the Red Dwarf episode. John Kyle is in the proverbial house. How are you doing, sir? I'm doing well. Thank you for having me. I'm, I'm excited to be back. So when we did the announcements, or, or when, when rather, Disney did the announcements about all of the, the projects that they had in the works, one of the things that they talked about was a Fantastic Four movie coming out uh, directed by John Watts, who has done the the Spider-Man movies for Disney. And uh, when we retweeted that information, John reached out and asked if we would be interested do- in doing a Fantastic Four list. And I learned through that that John is a big Fantastic Four guy. So so tell us more about that. How'd you get into that team? Well, this is, this is when I was an adolescent and really into comic books, the Fantastic Four were my favorite comic book. So I have an entire long box full of Fantastic Four comics from the 90s and earlier. Uh, and I think they're wonderful. Uh, I just like the, you know, that they're the, the team that started off the Marvel Universe, the modern Marvel Universe. Uh, they set up that idea of human, of superheroes being humans with flaws uh, they're a family they have interesting superpowers and they're just a great team so i think the fantastic four are wonderful so i i just want to i mean i've i have always been on some level interested in going to uh to to visit you in your new home in the province far afield from here but the idea of going and digging through a long box of fantastic four comics makes that even more appealing uh, what what era were you collecting in, and, and what sort of gems are in there? So uh, I was probably collecting at a bad time. Uh, this was <laughs> like uh, early '90s, like '91 to '94. You know, I basically stopped collecting when the Spider-Man went through the Clone Wars or the Clone Saga. Okay. So this is when um, the collector's market was probably causing. Uh, superhero writers well it's basically causing marvel to uh, pursue this strategy of like tons of variants and you had to buy a whole bunch of different comics in order to have any idea what was going on um and kind of i don't know i think to led to a bit of a collapse of the comic industry at the time and yep. pushed me out of reading comics at the time as well so yeah, not just you a lot of people felt that i think yeah um and so it, uh, I think when we're going to be talking about the Fantastic Four tonight, uh, a lot of my knowledge is from like 96 and earlier. Um, and, you know, being an adolescent, when you get into something, you really get into something. And this is before the internet really existed. Uh, I had like playing cards of explaining like the history of the Marvel Universe. And um, I don't know where I'm going with this, but I knew a lot about comics in the, the mid 90s <laughs> and earlier. And Graham, I'm going to be relying on you to tell me uh, what's happened in the past 20 years. 
Okay, I hope I can fill in some blanks. I, I can tell you that when for for a while there, when Fox had the rights to the Fantastic Four movies, there was a directive from on high that the Fantastic Four stop being sort of front and center in the Marvel Universe. And in fact, it wasn't being published for a while. The characters, or at least some of the characters, appeared in other books but uh the title fantastic four which wasn't wasn't being put out by marvel which is a pretty big deal considering they're the first family of marvel they're the the team that relaunched superheroes for marvel comics so uh but they've never been in the last few decades they've never been the best seller so it was i guess relatively easy to make that decision if if your viewpoint was that by putting out Fantastic Four comics, you were promoting the competitors when it came to the film rights. But, you know, they're still so important. Just to give my background on it a little bit, I have never been a huge Fantastic Four fan. For me, the X-Men were my go-to team. But I've always been... I've been aware of them. I've been interested in them. Um, I've tried going back to read different eras of it. I have to ask, have you ever tried reading any of the old Stan and Jack stuff? Stanley and Jack Kirby, early days of the Fantastic Four? Oh, oh yeah. Like, I, I was actually just rereading the first 10 episodes in preparation for this. First 10 issues, rather. Um, and so I have, you know, like, I've got a, I've, I, as a, just even as a kid, I bought a trade paperback. It was like actually a hardcover version of the first 10 issues. And, um, yeah, so I have read a bunch of those and, and quite enjoy them. For me, as much as I adore Stan Lee and Jack Kirby and Steve Ditko and those guys and how much they created and how important they are to the Marvel Universe, I find it a little hard to read some of those old books. They're they're so wordy and um, so... They're, <laughs> they're weird. They're just, yeah, comparatively weird. The, the sort of narrative structures that we're used to now didn't exist back then. And you also get the sense that they're kind of rushed or or they can feel a little disjointed sometimes but as i'm getting older i find it easier to go back to those and i read a few in preparation for this too and i enjoyed them more than i expected to yeah i, I do find that they have a different way of storytelling and you can see that they're, they're figuring things out as they go along but i can respect that that and i can enjoy them for that reason so jesse what's your background with the fantastic four I mean, you had a lot of comic books on your floor growing up, and I think I pulled a couple of Fantastic Four out of there. Uh, that's pretty much it. I I like how you say that they were on my floor, and, and that is very literal. I was not a tidy person. There was a lot of stuff on my floor. Anyway, <laughs> uh, so... The premise of this this thing is we're sort of combining a top five list with one of our fantasy drafts. We're coming up with a new format here that I think, correct me if I'm wrong, Jesse, but we're tentatively calling Judge Jesse. I mean, I liked it. We were You seemed a little bit concerned about certain creative overlaps, but uh, I'll accept it. There was also Jesse the Watcher. Yeah, I really a, like that. Yeah, it's less alliterated, but it does have a certain elegance and, you know... Uh, contextual appropriateness that I like. So the idea is that we are are putting together a replacement Fantastic Four team made up of characters who have been involved with the Fantastic Four on some level over the years, and they're going to replace our main four characters and uh, then a replacement for Doctor Doom as well. Let's go back and, and set this up, because when I was reading comics, this was before they'd really started to decide that 
that they had to maintain the status quo in the universe so that the characters never changed. And so so at, at the time, they were setting things up for kind of Reed and Sue to retire and other people to take over as the Fantastic Four. So, you know, like at the start of the Fantastic Four, they were kind of aging in real time. A few years in, Reed and Sue got married. A few years later, they had a baby. Eventually, you know, they were going to retire and need a new team to replace them. Uh, that kind of stopped in the mid-90s. But I think this is our chance to revisit that and come up with a replacement for them. Yeah, this, is, this is a long-time fantasy for you. Huh? This is <laughs> could have been. Yeah, and, and so this is also why I like the idea of Jesse the Watcher, because you can be the supposedly impartial but completely biased observer who is secretly judging everyone. <laughs> up, yeah. <laughs> and not so secretly. Yes. Yeah, b- both the character of the Watcher and myself personally. Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay, so what do you think? Should we start by by giving a brief rundown of who the Fantastic Four are in their their main core format? Real quick, I'm sure no one would be surprised, but yeah, give us the quick, give us the trading card summary. You want to handle it, John? Sure, I can do that. So, so we've the main four of the, of the Fantastic Four. There's Reed Richards. Mr. Fantastic, super genius, has a stretchy body, and is kind of the the smartest person in the Marvel universe, but down to earth at the same time. Uh, there's Sue Storm, who is Reed's wife, uh, his girlfriend at the time, uh, the Invisible Woman. Uh, she can make herself invisible. Also has these kind of invisible force fields that she can generate. Um, there's also Ben Grimm, the Thing, who's just this very strong rock monster, uh, curmudgeonly but lovable. And the last member of the team is Johnny Storm, Sue's kid brother, the Human Torch. He's kind of started out as kind of a bratty teenager, uh, liked to pull pranks on Ben, uh, and grew up into a young man who, um, you know, can set things on fire and fly around. <laughs> My fantasy. <laughs> And then there's Doctor Doom, who's uh, Reed's rival and uh, the leader of the country of Latveria. He's he's got um, sort of technological powers and magic powers, and is always trying to show that he's better than Reed and constantly failing. And has a, just a really awesome costume. Yeah, I, I, supposedly an inspiration for Darth Vader's costume. I don't know how accurate that is, but that's what I've heard. He's got a mask. He's sure. got a cape. Yeah, I yeah. can see that. I had not heard that, but that makes sense. Case closed. Mask and cape. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so, uh, Jesse, as the impartial observer, I uh, you're going to have to um, let us know when we've rambled too long in a topic and move us along to the next. And, and I, I defer to your judgment here. Do you want to declare whose character gets the role after we do each one? Or do you want to do it all at the end? Oh, it's yeah. You're going to go back and forth. You're you know, going to hear both Reed replacements, both Sue replacements, both Ben replacements, and in the end, I, the impartial watcher, will let you know what the new team is going to be. Wow! I, yeah. I you're going to have to present all of these without the context of knowing like who succeeded, who came before. Oh no! <laughs> Okay, well, and uh, John, since you're the guest, uh, I'm going to let you decide if you want to start first or, or if you want me to start first. I, I can start. So okay. we we'd, we'd agreed on the order beforehand. We're going to start off with the replacement for Reed Richards. And 
I may have tipped my hand a little bit in in why I thought we should do this this uh, whole episode because uh, my replacement for Reed Richards is Johnny Storm. Oh, interesting. Which uh, maybe this is cheating, maybe this isn't, but I, I saw how they were setting things up for Reed and Sue to retire and Johnny to take over as the leader of the team. So I'm not having him as the brains or the replacement stretchy guy, but as the the leader of the team. Now that he's he's grown up and he's learned and he's not just that young hotshot kid anymore, I think he's ready to take over. He's got the experience of being on the Fantastic Four. He knows what it's like to be part of a family and a team at the same time and to balance saving the world with being friends with the people that you are saving the world with. And I think he's ready. Interesting. Okay. Uh, Well, my pitch is for Storm from the X-Men to take over. She and her husband, Black Panther, husband at the time, Black Panther, uh, replaced Reed and Sue for a time, uh, a short time after the Civil War event happened. And uh, Reed and Sue decided to leave to work on their marriage a bit because of stuff that happened during Civil War. And, uh, you know, the obvious comparison would be Storm is taking the role of, of Sue Storm, of the Invisible Woman, the, the sort of mothering, nurturing role. But... I don't see Storm in that light. She has been the leader of the X-Men. She was the leader of the Morlocks. She's regal. She, she, as a leader, she has very uh, tender mercies. Like she, she's very gentle with the, the X-Men and, but, but still a good leader and strong, but she has a quality that made everyone adore her. Like, like Cyclops was a leader that nobody liked. Storm was a leader that they, liked and respected and were friends with and I think that's a good person to have in this role she she may not have the super genius intellect but she's she's still got a commanding presence that would put her in uh, a firm leadership uh, position and would be you would trust her with Reed's gadgets if that's if she gets to take those those on uh, in a way that I don't think you can trust Reed with all the time like there there are a lot of times where Reed invents stuff and it's like uh, Jurassic Park, where it's like you, you didn't stop to think if you should invent these things. You just thought if you could invent them. And I think Storm, you can trust her with these weapons and tools and powers and, and keep everything in check better than, than you could uh, just about anybody else in the Marvel Universe. Plus, she's been the, the co-monarch of Wakanda. She's got so much experience in this leadership role and being in a... a position of power i think she's the perfect fit for for this position john do you uh you have any rebuttal i mean i I wasn't expecting this to be like a debate format i uh i actually think storm is a great choice i like the wakanda (laughs) tie-in because like the the problem with having a bunch of canadians on the show in this kind of format (laughs) i mean the black panther premiered in fantastic four so uh that's also just thematically appropriate to have that tie-in uh i still think johnny storm is a better choice because it was it's just like it's the natural next step for him but uh, if you want to go in a completely different direction that sounds good too all right graham would you like to do a canadian rebuttal and encourage john's choice 
No. Uh, the, human, <laughs> the Human Torch is a terrible choice for leader. He's he's never shown any leadership skills. He's constantly screwing up. He, he's he uh, got a childlike antagonism with the thing. You can't trust him with anything. I, I, don't, I could see him taking on a leadership role temporarily until someone better shows up. But he's... You know, especially in a family setting, he's he's not a mom or dad type. I wouldn't trust him to have a kid. He can barely hold down a relationship. He's either, you know, they turn out to be a scroll or they get married to Quicksilver. He's a mess. He's he's a fun party guy. I'd want to be his friend, but anything beyond that, no, thank you. Keep him keep him away from me. John, any chance that got your back up a little more? Uh. uh... I mean, I can't argue with some of those points. <laughs> this is the best debate ever. No, but, but, <laughs> but isn't that kind of naturally what happens is like someone in the family gets promoted to run the family business, whether they're qualified or not. And they, they grow into the role once they are given the chance to lead. Or they burn it to the ground. Either way. <laughs> I still want to see how this how this turns out. I mean, that's fair. I think it would be an interesting uh, story, but I, I feel like, you know, he's the perfect fun uncle, like like uh, Valeria and Franklin, the, the children of the Richards, uh, adore Johnny, and, and rightly so, because he's the fun uncle. He can get away with stuff, but uh, I think he'd be a mess as a parent and, and leader. I mean, in Johnny's defense, Reed also had no idea what he was doing when he started leading the team. He took them on this rocket ship adventure that gave them all, you know, this reckless rocket ship adventure that gave them superpowers. And so Johnny can be a little reckless at the start, too, until he develops some responsibility. You know, that that is a good point. That's a fine rebuttal that I can get behind. That is tradition. <laughs> all right. Fair enough. Then I, the arguments have been entered and filed for the leader of the team to take over the Reed position. Uh, let's move on to the Sue Storm position, uh, formerly held by Sue Storm, the Invisible Woman. Who uh, Who is the number two? Uh, let's start with your suggestion, John. All right. Well, Graham is, is going to love this one as well, then, uh, considering some of his comments about Johnny's <laughs> choices. Uh, so my, my replacement for Sue is Lija the Laser Fist. Okay. So, you're going to have to go a deep dive on this one. Yeah. So Lija the Laser Fist is a scroll woman who posed as Alicia Masters for years. So Alicia Masters was Ben's... Uh, Alicia Masters is the daughter of the puppet master, premiered in one of the first 10 issues of the Fantastic Four uh, as a blind sculptress who fell in love with the thing because she couldn't see how monstrous he looked uh, then during the Secret Wars, Ben stayed behind on the battle world, uh, and uh, and when the Fantastic Four returned without Ben, uh, Alicia fell in love with Johnny. They got married. Turns out that that wasn't Alicia. That was a scroll imitating Alicia trying to destroy the Fantastic Four, and that scroll was Lyja, who, uh, you know, like in a spy romance she fell in love with the person that she was supposed to be spying against and uh, eventually Johnny found out things got real rough for a while um, but Lija still loved Johnny 
they sort of reconciled uh, for a while. Uh, she pretended to be a different human and dated Johnny, but he knew from her kiss that it was her. Is that romantic or creepy? Well, it's <laughs> it's a little bit of both. Okay. I'm not, not going to lie. I'd, I'd, it's like I'd, Twilight. Yeah, I'd, I'd be a little creeped out if someone did that to me. But, you know, they 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 loved each other and, and stayed together. Um, you don't know where romance ever really lasts in comic books, so eventually they went separate ways. But I think she's a good replacement. So, like uh, Sue, who can turn invisible, uh, Lyja, as a scroll, can shapeshift and kind of can turn herself into anyone or turn herself invisible. I think at one point she turned herself into a shadow. Um, she's got some... Uh, uh, she eventually, or at some point, she was given this kind of implant that gave her the ability to shoot blasts from her arms, which gave her the laser fist name. That's where that came from. Cool. Uh, but I, I think, you know, her being the uh, romantic interest of my leader of, of Johnny Storm makes her an appropriate replacement for the Sue role uh, and has similar, sort of similar superpowers with this, the shape shifting versus the invisibility. Um, and yeah, energy beams, so she can fire blasts of energy from her fists, sort of like the force things, the force shields that um, Sue can do. So I think there's a similar match of abilities and uh, romantic attachment to the leader of the team. Gotcha. Okay. Just a really quick, out of curiosity, what happened to the the actual Halicia Masters? Did that ever come up? Or yeah, so that um, she was um, kidnapped by the Skrulls when when Lyja took yeah. over, uh, and eventually they went and rescued her and uh, caused a whole bunch of just awkward romantic things uh, for the Thing and Johnny. Oh, that's um, part of the whole. Okay, all right. I was just curious. It seemed like they sort of wrote her out for a while. Yeah, and so, I mean, this was the revelation of her being a scroll was a bit of retconning. Um, and so they had to come up with what where she was um, and go and save her. But, uh, yeah, and then when she came back, you know, the thing had moved on because Alicia was in love with Johnny. But it turns out, oh, no, she was in love with him the whole time. They, in the comics, very recently they got married, uh, Alicia and, and the thing. Yeah, I was reading that. She she was also romantically involved with the Silver Surfer for a while. That sounds complicated. Yeah, I mean it's comic for her. Yeah, yeah. All right. Well, hey, let's. Uh, I mean, let's not wander too far off topic. So, shape shifting love alien, uh, Graham. What do you have to compete? <laughs> shape shifting love alien. Uh, I, I'll see that movie. Uh, so my option is is perhaps the most recent member of the Fantastic Four team. It is Iceman replacing Sue. Uh, and this is going back to a time period of where Sue was at the her personality type was at the beginning of the series, where she's sort of a little insecure. She's a little um, reliant on, on the other characters and isn't fully aware of her her power levels and Iceman in the last 10 years or so has it been <clears throat> revealed to him that he's gay it's comic books it's a long story but so he's still coming to terms with that revelation what that means for him and his identity and and finding his way in that part of his life which I think is is kind of similar to Sue where she was at the beginning trying to find her footing 
her she has since become one of the most powerful characters in the Marvel Universe because of the way her powers were described and how they were used and her force fields and she further future writers past Stan Lee have used those powers in ways that I'm sure he never really imagined. And it's also long been uh, part of the canon that Iceman's ice powers are far more powerful than he really uses them for. At the beginning of, of the X-Men comics back in 1963, he basically just looked like a snowman. He would throw snowballs. He would shoot around on these ice bridges that he would make. But since then, there's being uses of his power where he can uh, basically just turn his entire body into flat ice or he can freeze all the water in your body. He, he's far more powerful than he lets himself be. So I think that is something that could, that, that's another similarity between them. And he would, he, he doesn't have the leadership qualities yet that, that, uh, Sue ended up getting, but I think under the wing of Storm, and, and those two characters haven't, even as they've been X-Men characters for decades together, I don't, I can't think of any really strong stories with the two of them, and this would be a great opportunity for Sue to take uh, um, Bobby Drake, Iceman, under her wing, and, and help him come to terms with his powers and his identity and help him blossom in a way that he, he hasn't had a chance to on the bigger X-Men team. There we go. That's that's my my talk. He was first revealed as being a member of the Fantastic Four in uh, the most recent run, issue number two, and then the actual story of how that happened started in issue twenty four. All right, John, your thoughts? I mean, I I like it. I didn't realize that we were recreating the X Men, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> besides that, I mean that that is a good pick. They both can kind of manipulate things on a molecular level. She can make things invisible or you know force effects, and he can manipulate the temperature of things on a molecular level. So, I, I mean, besides the fact that he's mainly just a, another X-Men, uh, <laughs> otherwise a good choice. Well, I didn't realize that we were just recreating the Fantastic Four with <laughs> with people who had previously been, me- been like core members. But uh, I, I do think Ledge is an interesting choice, and she's got some really deep roots with the the team and um, her relationship with Johnny would be an interesting to, thing to explore further and uh, her power set is pretty different from anything that's already been seen on the team and uh, I, I do like that pick I think she's she brings a lot of complicated stuff with the Skrull Empire with her and, and I wish I, unfortunately, we're revealing these picks to each other as we go. I didn't know ahead of time because I would really like to know what her role was, if any, in Secret Invasion, the big crossover that happened if, you know, earlier in the 2000s, where where it was revealed that there were a lot of Skrull sleeper agents on Earth. A very brief uh, bit of research before this episode tells me that she was sort of recruited back to the Skrulls for a bit, but she didn't stick with it and ended up siding with the good guys. Um, It's a very brief, you know, don't at me description of (laughs) how I think that went. So uh, good description of Lija with her mixed uh, mixed loyalties. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. It's a problem that I imagine a lot of actors can face and, and shapeshifters would definitely face where there'd be a lot of trust issues, especially considering what she's done to the team in the past, which could make for great storytelling. But as someone, if I were building this team based on, uh, 
the ideal sort of family or or a nuclear family sort of vibe. I don't know that I'd want uh, someone like that disrupting the the energies of my group. Well, I mean, the original Fantastic Four had siblings, and you know, you if you have siblings, you you love them, but you can't stand them at the same time. Right, definitely. <laughs> do you do you uh, remember that issue being? something that came up a lot in the Fantastic Four comics. Like, I know Ben and Johnny have always had an antagonistic sibling relationship, but the actual siblings on the team, they always seem to be just sort of, like, cool with each other. Yeah, no, that's that's true. Um, Sue, I think, was really looking out for her younger brother. Um, they were, you know, they lost their father at a young age, if I'm recalling correctly, and um, in a way were, like, orphans, and so I think had to put aside any differences that they might have had in order to help, you know, grow up together. Right. So so you're right. The siblings in the Fantastic Four um, more or less got along. Highly unrealistic. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. Let's, uh, let's keep it moving. Uh, so those are our first two. The third one up on the list is Ben Grimm. It's, it's, it's clobbering time, and uh, who's going to do the clobbering is the question. I was really trying to alliterate clobbering in question. Didn't quite work out, but I'll work on that. In the meantime, John, who's your pick to replace the thing? So I went with one of the more obvious choices here. I, I've gone with Jennifer Walters, the She-Hulk. Very nice. Actually did replace Ben for a while when he stayed behind after the Secret Wars on that, that battle planet. Um, and so if you're not familiar with, with her, she's a cousin of Bruce Banner who was given... Hulk-like powers uh, after a blood transfusion from Bruce Banner. Um, she's also a lawyer. Uh, she's got a lot going on, um, and what is uh, you know, a as a Hulk is very strong. Uh, she's got a lot of heart as well, um, and I think is a great replacement for Ben. Uh, I don't. I don't know if. Well, I'll save it for my rebuttal. Um, but yeah, she's she's a real classic choice, and and I personally love the Secret Wars crossover. I mean, I read it probably ten or fifteen years after it first came out, and it was the first big crossover in in superhero comics. It came out around the same time as Crisis on Infinite Earths from DC, so they sort of share that title. But Crisis on Infinite Earths is. Uh, a bit of a slog it's so dense and there's so much going on whereas the the marvel one is a pure simple good guys versus bad guys story and and it's a, such a fun read and one of the things they stipulated in in the making of that was that there had to be some big changes that happened to the characters coming out of it so that's where spider-man got the black costume that ended up becoming venom and the other major change was the thing stayed behind on that battle planet and She-Hulk replaced him and it was it was a cool thing and, and John Byrne who was writing and drawing Fantastic Four at the time also was doing a She-Hulk comic so it made sense and for the longest time she was the only character who had ever been on the Fantastic Four and the Avengers at the same time and that so hit me just for someone who's a little less familiar with all so She-Hulk she isn't like she isn't as strong as the Hulk but she maintains her identity when she's when she's in Hulk form, is that right? Yeah, I mean, like the Hulk, there's been lots of different versions. So I think at times she has, I mean, she started out as the savage She-Hulk uh, and got a little less savage over time. 
Um, and also at some point decided that she didn't want to be Jennifer Walters, like the human form anymore, and just decided to be Hulk form all the time. Yeah, as with the the best sort of Hulk stories, there's a deep psychological component to it all. And the one of the consistent threads with She-Hulk, or, or at least the ones that have come up uh, as the character has progressed and comics have gotten a little deeper, is that as Jennifer Walters, mild-mannered lawyer, she was sort of mousy and, and, and easily ignored. And then when she became She-Hulk, she's this tall buff woman who was always attracting the attention of men. She had so much more confidence and that was a character. She didn't want to go back to being the mousy Jennifer Walters. So she loved being She-Hulk and wanted to stay in that that form, whereas Bruce Banner and the Hulk, it's constantly this tug of war of who's going to be in control and Banner hates Hulk and Hulk hates Banner and there's this whole tug of war between them. But with with She-Hulk, it's always just, I want to be She-Hulk as much as possible. Okay, interesting. All right, so Graham, what uh, well, what, what have you got to, to compete with She-Hulk? Wolverine. I'm going uh, real X-Men heavy with this, but... Surprising uh, everyone, I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> partly that's just because of my personal preferences and biases, but partly because I think they, they fit the role so well and it's a story I would really want to read. So there was a time where the Fantastic Four, I think, disappeared. It was only for for like two issues, but a a brand new Fantastic Four replaced them. And it was Wolverine, Hulk, Ghost Rider, and Spider-Man were this replacement Fantastic Four team. And I don't think any of them were filling any specific role because, I mean, who's Ghost Rider's analog in the regular Fantastic Four? It's, It's impossible to say. He's not Sue. He's not Reed. He's no one. But... It's an interesting dynamic, and I think Wolverine, and I, I think he's also actually rejoined the team in a more official capacity recently as a sort of a fill-in, and he had a cool Fantastic Four-style version of his outfit. Um, but he's he's a perfect replacement for the thing because he's grumpy, he's, he's good with kids, um, he would have an antagonistic relationship with... Uh, with who I'm not going to spoil it, but with my Johnny, which is an important trait, I think. And any anytime you're rebuilding a Fantastic Four team, you want to have that kind of relationship in there. Uh, he would be deferential to um, Storm as the leader, as he was uh, with the X Men. He's Reed and Ben have this great friendship and this trust and mutual respect for each other, and I think. Wolverine and Storm have a similar quality to their relationship, and I think that would be a great thing to have. Wolverine and and Iceman have been a bit more hot and cold, so to speak, but I think they they could still have a good time together, and and there would be a respect there for their respective roles. Uh, And another thing that I think is an important quality, and, and something that doesn't get talked about a lot with the thing, is a lot of the times he's just sort of presented as this big kind of grumpy guy but there beneath that is this deep pathos in this this his self-loathing like he really doesn't like how he looks he's got this real struggle with his identity he presents this 
this great facade of being totally cool with being the thing. But the reason he stayed behind on the battle planet after secret war was on that planet. He could control changing back and forth between his human Ben Grimm form and his thing form, which he couldn't do on earth. And that's why he stayed. He was willing to abandon all these relationships because it meant so much to him to be able to return to a human form. And Wolverine is, is Wolverine. He's stuck looking the way he does, but this, another thing that's, glossed over a lot in in interpretations of Wolverine is he's he's 52 he's ugly he's hairy he's not an appealing looking figure the very sight of him scares people and and he's always menacing and i think on some level he's okay with that but on another level he's he regrets that aspect of himself and he wants to be able to be a more lovable figure he just struggles with that he'd like to be better looking and and like to be easier to get along with. And it would be in a family dynamic like this, where maybe that side of him could come out a bit more. And and I think that mirrors the connection with, with uh, the thing uh, better than some other choices I had in mind. All right, John, uh, any rebuttal? I I mean, also a great choice. I think Wolverine was my second choice. Uh, my my initial first choice, because uh, that's um, you know those issues where the kind of the defenders replaced the Fantastic Four. I have those issues, and so I remember that well. Uh, yeah, Wolverine's a, a, a great choice. I just liked She Hulk better as as she was already part of the Fantastic Four family. I mean, I guess Wolverine was since he was also a member. Um, so I can't I can't argue with your choice. It's a good one. Thank you. Well, I mean, She-Hulk was one of my options right up till the the almost the minute I sent my choices to Jesse. I, I was considering She-Hulk very strongly for the Johnny role, um, but she's she's great, and and I think she also has some of the um, self consciousness that that the thing has in his looks, like we discussed, where she always wants to be in that She-Hulk mode. Or at least the classic interpretation of her from the 70s and 80s. She That's how she wants to be, and there's a, a, a quality of that that's similar to Thing, too. So I think that that's a fine mirror as well. But to me, Wolverine has more of the surly uncle vibe that uh, the Thing has. Uh, that's why I ended up going with him. And, you know, those issues of Fantastic Four with that team, Hulk and Wolverine, Spider-Man, etc., that was drawn by Art Adams and man. He belongs on the Mar- Mount Rushmore of comic book artists. That, his art alone makes those issues worth hunting down and, and makes Wolverine's appearance in them that much more notable and makes him a, that much more a part of the Fantastic Four team for me than, than anything else. He's so good. That's interesting. I'm actually going to have to read, reread those afterwards just to, to take a look at the artwork. Please do. Everyone should. Art Adams. He's phenomenal. All right, shout out to Art Adams. But uh, let's move on to our next team member, um, Johnny Storm, the kid of the team, uh, the number four in the Fantastic Four, uh, played by Captain America in the movie, which is a fun sort of world-bending thing they actually make a joke about in the Lego movies. And um, also played by uh, by Eric Killmonger from Black Panther. So lots of Marvel connections. Oh, and that one. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> We're acknowledging that one, too. Huh? Wait, which one? Is that the Roger Corman one? Which no, one are we talking the, about? The one that oh, came the out. the more recent one, yes. Yeah. 
Fan Four stick. I have not actually seen any of the Fantastic Four movies because I just knew they weren't going to. They were just going to break my heart. And you were right. <laughs> I would say that the the older ones, the ones by Tim Story, seem so much better now in comparison to that more recent one. Might be worth checking out just for that. No, there's enough despair in the world right now. We don't need to do that. Johnny Storm, who's going to replace him? Who's going to take the role? John, you're up first. All right, so I went with uh, maybe more of a deep cut here. I've gone with Wyatt Wingfoot. I, I love just getting to hear about Wyatt Wingfoot. Please continue. So Wyatt Wingfoot was uh, essentially like Johnny's college roommate. Uh, he's got no superpowers. He's just a, a phenomenal athlete, marksman. He's a you know, hand-to-hand fighter. Uh, he is from a um, uh, the Kiwazi Indian Reserve in Oklahoma, which um, I sometimes I'm not quite sure how to deal with the sort of cultural appropriation part of that, but uh, it does give him an interesting backstory. Um, and he was uh, romantically involved with She-Hulk for a while. I think they may have been engaged. And so I, I also like that, that he, it... Um, He's got the uh, the kind of the family aspect. He's part of the family. Uh, because he doesn't have the superpowers, I could see him feeling like the kid brother in a way that, that Johnny uh, felt like. Um, and I think it's just going to be a really fun person to have on the team. Hi, he's, he's great. He's definitely an excellent deep cut Fantastic Four member. Okay, and uh, how is he going to... Like, so, Well, okay, I guess what happens is everyone else is doing their powers and he's doing karate. It's kind of an iron fist approach. Yeah, I mean, I hadn't... I haven't, I'll admit, I haven't really thought through entirely how he's going to contribute to the team besides um, just being uh, support and um, just kind of a fun, friendly person to be on the team. He's a pilot. He can crash the fantastic car in, uh, into people. That'll that'll do. <laughs> okay, fair enough. Graham, who do you have in the same slot? I have Spider-Man. Um, he f- joined the team around the same time as Wolverine in issue 347. He also more formally joined the team in uh, after, uh, I think, Johnny's death in the Jonathan Hickman run and when the book rebooted as the Future Foundation, so FF number one. He had a cool white suit, and you can get that in the Spider-Man PS4 game. Uh, it was one of my favorites from that game. Uh, he is a good fit because he's he's younger. He's he would actually end up palling around well with Iceman. They're about the same age, and you know we're buddies in the uh, Spider-Man and his Amazing Friends cartoon. But he's so they they maybe there's like a sibling dynamic there. He's also a super genius, so you could have him fill that role. But maybe this is a chance for him to to stop being the big brain for a little bit. Uh, Recently in the comics, he was sort of a rival of Tony Stark. He had his own big company called Parker Industries and was a millionaire and that all came crashing down and he's back to being a normal guy again. So maybe this is a chance for him to join this team, have a lower profile, get to not be the person in charge, making all the tough decisions and, and having to worry about the Parker luck. He also has a long simmering history with Wolverine uh, in their some of their early meetings Wolverine literally tried to kill him 
and they do not get along very well at the best of times. Even when they were on the Avengers together, they were just they they got along better than they did in the classic issues. But there still is a sort of an antagonistic relationship there. Spider-Man with his sarcastic quips is always going to be taking digs at people and and Wolverine, I don't think, will take them as well as some of the other characters. I think he also is is just a bit hipper than the rest of them, although Iceman is maybe the exception to that. And I think he needs family. He needs that 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 group that he doesn't really get on his own. In his solo book, he's he has friends, but they're constantly changing, and there's there's not as much stability in his life. And his only real connection to a family is Aunt May, sometimes Mary Jane. This is a chance for him to have a family life people to come home to people to worry about him and and people to make sure he's you know eating and washing his clothes and all that good stuff that a family is there for you for i mean herbie the robot can take care of that for him there you go perfect (laughs) john nothing uh, anything bad to say about spider-man i mean how can you say anything bad about spider-man it's, it's, it is tough. That was sort of a leading question. I apologize. And, and like, you know, Graham, when you were reading X-Men, I was reading Fantastic Four and Spider-Man. That's like I have another long box full of Spider-Man comics. Nice. So he's my other uh, adolescent, teenage superhero love. And I think would make a great member of any team. Well, I think in uh, so so Spider-Man first appeared in Amazing Fantasy 15 and then in Spider-Man number one, I think one of the two stories in that is him trying to join the Fantastic Four. So there's a long history between them. He's also really good friends with Johnny Storm, so there's that aspect to their to this connection. There, there's more of a connection between him and the Fantastic Four than just about any other group in the Marvel Universe. I mean, he has been an Avenger, but it's not... It's, it's the new Avengers and the sort of a more modern version of the Avengers. I think he if you if he was going to properly join any team for a significant amount of time it would be the fantastic four yeah i i'd agree with you that with like the fantastic four and spider-man started the marvel comic universe the fantastic four just happened to be first but spider-man was there pretty much the whole time yeah and there it's a great great combo and and uh, Wyatt Wingfoot, I think, is a, a great choice, but he's always, unless he gets superpowers, I think he's always going to be relegated to support or boyfriend or something like that, unfortunately. I mean, they can always take him on a rocket ride. There you go. Which, you know, may play into my villain pick. Ooh. this is The villain is what I'm really curious to hear your choice on. I, the villain is the one I, I've done the most research on, the, the most excited to talk about. Well, I can't think of a better segue, but uh, but the you know, we're going back and forth here, so John's going to have to go first. But uh, so we've, we've laid out the fantastic team. Now it's going to be who are they going to beat up? Uh, John, who do you have as the the replacement for for Doctor Victor Von Doom? Now I will admit that no one can ever properly replace Doctor Doom, uh, but I've gone with one of their oldest villains, uh, Namor the Submariner. Wait, Submariner or Submariner? I have always heard Submariner, and then I think when I mentioned that to my dad, who was reading, who was literally reading the comics when they came out in the '60s, he was like, he was like, ah, oh, it's Submariner. Like to him, it was when he was reading it. I don't, th- I just don't think he'd ever heard it out loud. Whereas the first time I heard it was in a cartoon or something. So to him, it was Submariner. To me, it was Submariner. 
Okay. I've always thought Submariner, but again, it's one of those things where I've I've really just read it out, read it myself and not heard other people. It's Namor the Subjective. Okay. <laughs> Namor the Subjective. So Namor is a half-human, half-Atlantean mutant who is um, the ruler of Atlantis. He made his, I mean, he's like... Um, uh, golden wait I get my I'm getting my eras mixed up but he essentially predates the modern Marvel universe uh, kind of like the original human torch uh, and came back in a fantastic four comic as he was basically found by Johnny Storm in a flop house had no memory uh, Johnny ended up basically like dipping him in water and he regained all his memory found out that humans had destroyed Atlantis with nuclear bomb testing and became enraged and turned into a villain. Uh, he's got um, just crazy, su- like just a huge amount of superpowers related to being an underwater being. So he can swim underwater. He can see underwater. He's got superhuman strength. He can fly for some reason. Uh, he's very smart. He's also just incredibly charming. He's like, he's Mr. Steal Your Girl. <laughs> And so, like, he is, you know, when he was first introduced in the Fantastic Four comics, Sue Storm almost left Reed for Namor, and they had the thing for a while. And so he has this, like, amazing charisma. He's this kind of anti-hero. So sometimes he's a a hero, sometimes he's a villain. Um, And I think he's the type of person that could just get, even when he is a in hero mode could just get really pissed off at something that people that humans have done and decide to go back to being a villain and then try to get his revenge. Uh, and I've always just loved Namor as this anti-hero and I think makes a can make, can make a great villain if he were to turn back into villain mode. That's a good point. I, the, I just, a couple more details. He is one of the few characters who uh, appeared in Marvel Comics number one, who is still really with the Marvel Universe to this day. Other characters that were in that were the original Human Torch. Uh, he's on the cover, and he's been around, but mostly a background character. And then there's a, the original Angel, who is f- mostly forgotten and has no connection to the the uh, modern angel from the X-Men comics. So, so he's got longevity. It's, he's very, he's, he's one of the original Marvel characters. Yeah. Kind of, um, you know, similar to Captain America as well. So coming back in the Mar- the modern Marvel universe after sleeping or being none, you know, hidden for a while. Yeah. And, and the whole flying thing that that's uh, they retconned him into being a mutant because he had these wings on his ankles that let him fly. And that's not something humans have. And it's not something that Atlanteans have. So obviously he's a mutant and he's he's been an X-Men at various times in the comics, too, in, in more recent years. And uh, because... now who's trying to build an X-Men team, John? <laughs> uh, and also, he's, he's one of those characters that because he'd been around for so long, they just invented so many different powers for him that eventually they had to kind of just retcon some of his powers away, kind of like like Superman. Spock. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, I think I, I will say one of the reasons that makes him a good replacement for Doctor Doom is that he's also the leader of a sovereign nation and has diplomatic immunity. Just and like can, Lethal Weapon too, can get away with things that a normal villain would not be able to. 
And since we have a lawyer on the team, this is going to be frustrating for the lawyer. <laughs> no, that's a fair point. Yeah, I like that. Okay, all right. Name more of the subjective. I'm, I'm going to go with Submariner as well, not to pick sides, but it just, Submariner doesn't feel right in my mouth. It, uh... I agree. I mean, the only person we're taking sides against is my dad, and, and he won't listen to this, so I think we'll be okay. That's a shame. I like your dad. I like but anyway, uh, Graham, what uh, what have you got? Who's your replacement? Mine is the Red Ghost. I was hoping for a reaction. I, I, no, I'm on board here. <laughs> of course, I love it. So Ivan Kregoff, he's one of the earliest uh, Fantastic Four villains. He first appeared in Fantastic Four number 13, I believe. He is a, you know, it was the height of the Cold War, and he's a Russian super scientist who's trying to duplicate what the Fantastic Four went through. So he builds a spaceship and, and goes up there, and, and he deliberately removes any shielding from his ship so that he'll get bombarded with cosmic rays even more than the Fantastic Four did. And he, he is successful. He becomes the Red Ghost. He can turn invisible and, he, and intangible, although I don't think Stanley knew the word intangible at the time because he keeps saying unsolid. He, uh, the red <laughs> is unsolid. It's, this is his unsolid power. And, and you could argue... Writing for their, their audience. You would think so, except he also used the word ephemeral in the same issue. So I, I don't think he was trying to dumb it down for anyone. Uh, but... I'm sort of burying the lead because the Red Ghost didn't just go up into space by himself. He also brought his ego. <laughs> he also brought his three specially trained apes with him: uh, Mikhailo, a gorilla; Pitoro, an orangutan; and Igor, a baboon. Although they didn't have those names, those all came later. They were just the gorilla, the orangutan, and the baboon. And they also got bombarded with cosmic rays and got powers of their own. The gorilla is super strong. The orangutan has magnetic powers for some reason, and the baboon is a shapeshifter. And I mean, you're you're just plowing right through this, but let's be clear: you have found yet another opportunity to bring super intelligent apes into this podcast again. I mean, their intelligence is debatable; uh, it's fluctuated over the years. But yeah, they're great. I mean, who doesn't want more apes in in their Fantastic Four or in anything? <laughs> Apparently, I'm the only one. I don't know. <laughs> it's interesting because Stan, I think, was a little, Stan Lee was a little uh, trepidatious about that, too. Because in the, his first two appearances in the Fantastic Four, he's got the apes. And then he appears in an Avengers issue and teams up with the Mole Man oh, and say that his apes have, have, like, deserted him. And it's just, like, Mole Man and the red ghost teaming up against the Avengers and they lose terribly. And then he shows up again against uh, Iron Man and he's got two new uh, super apes with him. And then eventually he goes back to the originals because the originals are the best. They're fantastic. Uh, pun not intended, but apt. Uh, so in their first encounter uh, where they, he goes into space, they end up, it, it's amazing how much was crammed into this issue that ended up, being so important later on. It introduces the Red Ghost and the Super Apes. I guess their importance is debatable, considering they this may be the first time you're hearing about them. But it also introduced the blue area of the moon, which is, I think it ended up being a Cree thing, but at the time it's just this mysterious area of the moon that has a city, that an abandoned city in it, and oxygen and gravity, and, and it's just like a 
normal place where people can live. And it also introduces Uatu the Watcher. And in the second issue with the Red Ghost, they return to that space and encounter the Watcher again. So the Watcher only appears if big stuff is going down. So my thought here is that the Red Ghost is more important than he's ever been given credit for because Uatu is connected with him. There's a bond there that I, I don't think has been fully explored. He's also got all these ties to Russia and and that Cold War aspect of his character would be a great thing to have as a, a character piece in the, his interactions with this new Fantastic Four. Oof. Okay, John, rebuttal? I, I like more it. I, I didn't realize we were choosing a, a team of villains to replace Doctor Doom, but... I mean, let's be clear. Graham isn't terribly interested in Red Ghost at all. It's mostly the apes. Yes. <laughs> uh, I, I don't. I mean, you, it's they're barely a team. It's it's because they you can't have one without the other. I mean, that's not entirely true. I just talked about a time where you did have one without the other, but it didn't work. You need the apes to make the Red Ghost work, and you need the Red Ghost to make the apes work. No, I, I'm with you there. It's like Doctor Octopus. You can't. You don't count his tentacles as independent. Right, people on a team. So it's you got the red ghost and his ape tentacles. <laughs> exactly. Am I stretching this metaphor too far? I think it, 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 it's a little much. Yeah, <laughs> we can uh, we can move along. <laughs> I, I, I mean, he's he's a great choice. I, I find Namor to be a more interesting character. I mean, Namor set up a film studio to hire the Fantastic Four when they were broke, and it turned out to just be an elaborate trap to try to defeat them. Where is the Red Ghost? He's got some monkeys to help him. <laughs> I am with you. I think Namor is a, a great character, but you can't beat three superpowered apes and a, a weird Russian mad scientist. It just it the it's such a fantastic character and such a weird grouping. Namor is great, and he's regal, and he's a, a jerk. There's there's so much to like about that character, but uh, I think he it can be a little one note whereas the red ghost is just a fascinating fun supervillain yeah i like the red scare aspect of his character as well where there's you know they don't want to lose to those commies and that's that's what got the fantastic four into that rocket ship in the first place right yeah i i and you know there's a running thing on the internet right now about you know certain aspects of it are like oh i don't want politics in my superhero comics but I was reading this early issue and there's so much like anti-communist propaganda in it. It's it's hilarious and and uh, to read in retrospect. I'm sure at the time it felt very poignant and powerful, but now it just reads like uh, parody. Yeah, that's uh those are the arguments. I've been considering them as we go and uh and I think I've come to some decisions. So prepare for judgment. The uh, I looked up to see if the watcher had any like appropriate quotes for this and they're uh, the he does say some profound stuff but there's nothing very character appropriate so i'm just gonna roll so but after taking in both pitches the results obviously are a bit of a mix uh, to start off uh in this new this new what, earth gt5 and earth's gt5's fantastic four the leader of the team is going to be storm is going to be aurora monroe I feel that there is a lot of opportunity for her to continue developing in a leadership role, uh, which is almost... 
I mean, there is opportunity for Johnny Storm to develop as well, but I feel like if Johnny Storm grows up and becomes a competent leader, then he's no longer Johnny Storm. I feel like now he's another character. I read Johnny Storm for his, you know, he's, he's young and he's a hothead. He's a hothead. That's the literal definition of it. I think the leadership that this family team is going to require uh, isn't going to suit for him. So I'm leaning in, into Storm. We're going to see how she grows with this responsibility. Uh, I bet she can handle it at first, but it starts to strain her, and it'll be interesting to see where that goes. So point to Grim. I'll take it. Thank you. The number two position, uh, the replacement for Sue Storm, um, I... Uh, I went back and forth on this a little, but I'm going with Lyja Laserfist. Um, the the fact of the matter is, I can see a lot of really great stories with this character. And I think that's really, like, we touched on it a little bit earlier in the description, but I think that's what really make, like, sets Marvel apart from just generic superheroes and stories, is the struggles of the characters. And I love thinking about how Elijah is going to be dealing with imposter syndrome and how it's so wonderful to be able to do that as a metaphor with her literally, her power is literally to be an imposter. Um, but this character put in a position of, you know, you came from the wrong side of the hero villain tracks, but now you're in the spotlight as a hero and you have to live up to what came before. That feels really cool to me. I feel like there's a lot of opportunity there. Um, Iceman, I think, also has his own stories to explore. Uh, certainly, I understand what you're describing. Like, There's a lot of fun stuff to do with his powers and such, but I still feel like he's a little more outside um, the the events that are going to help like develop into new stories there. I think he will remain working better as a guest character um, rather than an actual member of the team. So I'm going with Elijah Laserfist for the number two. So it's now one-to-one. Okay. Number three, the Ben Grimm, the muscle. Uh, This one, I also have to give it to John. I'm going with She-Hulk. This one is also motivated by decisions on both sides. I do think She-Hulk is a really interesting character. I do think having her alter ego as a lawyer um, clearly establishes her as sort of being the legal representative of the team is going to be an interesting dynamic because I bet you She-Hulk is going to do some things that, you know, the, that the lawyer is not going to be terribly happy with. You're not going to follow the rules exactly, which is a fun dynamic, but maybe more importantly, I don't know that there are any stories to tell about Wolverine that I haven't already read. And that's not to do him a disservice, but Wolverine is very popular. I don't see what he's going to do on this team that he hasn't done already somewhere else on some other team. Wow. Uh, I And I, I, I like Wolverine. We all like Wolverine. I mean, he's got his own trilogy of movies, for God's sake. I've never known you to be this wrong, but let, let's keep going. <laughs> I, uh, I mean, I think you'll note that in the, the context of the show, it, my, my rulings are absolute and final. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, so I'm, I think there's more storytelling opportunity with She-Hulk, and I'm, I'm over-Wolverined. Wow. I just, you, you can only have chocolate cake so often before you want another flavor. I, I just want to say for the record here that, that this next pick based on the rules of the thing, it's going to be the first man added to your definitive ruling team. We've had all women now. 
I, it, yes, no, you are absolutely correct. I was going to point out that Lyja is an alien, so I'm not sure if that... But I guess she's a female alien. Yeah. But, uh, see, like, you know, issues of, like, sex and race get more interesting when there literally are other races. Like, actual other... Like, aliens. It, it, it makes it more fun. <laughs> but anyway... Uh, the number four position, the kid of the team. Um, I think you said it yourself, John. It's it's hard to say anything bad about Spider-Man. He's definitely uh, more of a kid, depending on what point you put him. What you know, what how you cast him. But yeah, I, I agree with you there. Yeah, as I mean, Wyatt Wingfoot definitely has the right resume, but I think Spider-Man has again a lot more opportunity, and some of that, yes, has to do with the fact that he actually has powers and can actually fight. But to cast a younger Spider-Man, you know, a more insecure Peter Parker in this role, I think works really well. Um, it's going to work great for the team dynamic because he's got She-Hulk and, you know, lawyer She-Hulk like, as sort of two slightly different, confusing maternal figures. Um, in addition to having Storm as a leader of the team, he is going to be the one who, out of all these characters picked so far, doesn't quite have everything set yet. He's still going to be the one making mistakes. Doing, you know, doing silly, childish things, which is sort of what we expect from the Johnny Storm position. But at the same time, he's Spider-Man. He has that sense of humor that we all love that has to be there. Um, and he's going to be able to, you know, still keep up with the rest of the team. Um, that that one, got to give it to, to Spider-Man. I think, too, with looking at the lineup we have, he can be the scientist tinkerer on the team as well. The, it's the, true. The role that it's true. Played. Yeah, but you know, Storm isn't going to be developing so much as using, and Elijah and She-Hulk definitely not. So he's going to be where fun science stuff comes from. All right, so I, I think it uh, stands at uh, two-two so far. It is two-two. We've got uh, Storm and Spider-Man from Graham with Elijah and She-Hulk from John. Um, so it all comes down to the villain, and I'm going back and forth on the villain. Obviously, I need to struggle a little to overcome my bias against intelligent ape fatigue. <laughs> so I'm trying to look at it from the perspective, like we described, that the intelligent apes are kind of the arms of this character, right? They're Doc Ock's tentacles. Um, and looking at it, at the end of the day, I think the clincher is going to be kind of the same way. I don't know that there are any more Wolverine stories. I don't know that we're going to be doing any more Red Scare stories, and I'm not sure that Red Ghost has anything else to offer. I think there is a lot more opportunity and a lot more fun and a lot more just genuine villainy that we're going to be able to get out of Namor the Submariner. Uh, I'll trade you Spider-Man and Storm just to have you pick Red Ghost. Come on, let's I know. bring this home. <laughs> No, uh, Namor, I think John's right. Namor like, is a fascinating villain in the way, like kind of the way like a good Bond villain is. I mean, he's evil and powerful and like he's got that nobility that we associate with aristocracy. Um, but he isn't just a mustache twirler either. There's lots of room for personal vendettas. He is going to clash tremendously with all of these characters in his own way. He's going to be playing on Lyja's insecurities. He's going to be constantly sort of legally outwitting She-Hulk. He's going to be, you know, 
Just the, I, I, I want to basically. I'm trying to get. I want to see the fight scene between Storm, who can control the weather, and Namor, who can control the water. You know, like that's going to be awesome to see on the panels, to see it drawn. I think there's a lot of cool stuff there, with the Red Ghost's power being that he can be, you know, ethereal sometimes and sometimes not. Is also fun, but at the end of the day, it seems like a lot of what his stuff is is he throws apes at people. <laughs> And there's not as much to do, so I gotta lean with Namor. So, to review, so the new Fantastic Four are Storm, Spider-Man, Lijah, and She-Hulk, and Namor the Submariner is going to be their arch nemesis. And I, from the stuff I've described, I feel like it's already kind of writing itself. I think Earth GT5 is off to a, a good start. There's some really cool stories to tell here. There are uh, any... Any closing final thoughts from you guys on how this has turned out? I think this has been a great what if uh, episode of the show. I like that we didn't go with the obvious choices for a lot of these. So our villain wasn't Galactus or the Yancey Street Gang. It was uh, some more interesting people to have. I, I agree. I think it was a lot of fun, and and uh, you know, it was it was a lot of fun researching it. I found uh, some great comics to read in the process of doing this. And in the end, that's the most important part, right? Yeah. The real Fantastic Four team are the comics we read along the way. <laughs> John, thank you so much for coming back. This was a blast. It's always a pleasure to have you. Thank you very much. I'm just happy that we managed to do a Geek Top 5 about the Fantastic Four. <laughs> right. You wouldn't think it worked out because of the numbers, but we got it. I know. Thank you, thank you. And while we're thanking folks, I'd be remiss not to mention uh, Jamie Reum, guy behind our theme song. Check him out. Uh, Jamie, Re- Jamie underscore Reum and Jamie Reum official on Instagram and YouTube, respectively. Reum is spelled R-E-A-U-M-E. And finally, special thanks to you. We hope you enjoyed this. This was sort of a, this is a cool new format we want to play with. It might not always be Judge Jesse. There might also be some some Gudge Graham, I guess, <laughs> depending on the topic that comes up. But let us know what you think about this format. I think we really enjoyed it. And if you did too, we could uh, we could be seeing more of it. Um, so, But basically what I'm saying is, please, feedback. We're very interested. Uh, Graham, how can they get that to us? Please email us at geektop5 at gmail.com. We're also on Facebook, facebook.com slash geektop5. And we're on Twitter at geektop5. Plenty of cool stuff and characters we talked about. And those uh, those Fantastic Four comics are out there. So be sure to give them a look. And that should keep you busy for a, a good week or so until we have a chance to do this again. Until then, I'm Jesse. I'm Graham. This has been Geek Top 5. We'll talk to you again next week.